0: Hello, it's Mike Richards here from the Treasury Recruitment Company. I hope you're enjoying the Treasury Career Corner. If you are, great news. Perhaps you give us a rating on iTunes or wherever you consume your podcast content. This means that even more treasury professionals can benefit from finding out or by finding out about how treasurers have achieved their career goals. The link to rate our show will list at the bottom of our show notes. And please remember as well, the show itself is as much about you as it is about us. If there are specific questions you want us to ask or this feedback you want to give, please drop me an email. My direct email is mike at recruitment.com, inventably enough. But anyway, that's enough from me. Let's get on with the show. So welcome to this week's Treasury Career Podcast, where I interview treasury professionals about their treasury careers. We talk about their past, present, and future. In this week's show, I'm delighted to be joined by a good friend of mine, Jan-Martin Neufer, the Director of Treasury and Funding at Borealis Group, who are a plastics, chemicals, and fertilizers company based actually in Vienna. Borealis is the leading provider of innovative solutions in the areas. With the head office there, the company currently has around 6,600 employees and operates in over 120 countries. The, through their holding company, Mabudala, the global investment company, who owns 64% of the company. The remaining 36 is belongs to Austria-based OMV, an integrated international oil and gas company. But for nearly 25 years, Jan Martin has been working in finance, gaining international experience in Germany, Austria, Switzerland, right the way across, which he'll d- detail for us shortly. Martin's experience obviously ranges right the way from start-ups, large multinationals, a variety of different industries, as well as you know lots of different roles within finance. But in his spare time, which he has very little of, he finds time to uh, lecture and speak at a number of the Finance and Treasury conferences. As with every week, I'll go through how Yamata got started within Finance and Treasury, some of the challenges he faces in his current position, and where he's going next, and Borealis goes as they continue to grow. That's enough, as we say from me. It's over to you, Matt at M- yeah, Martin. So, uh, tell take me back in the dim, distant past with you. You you started out uh, in in banking before you got into treasury. Is that right?
1: Absolutely. First of all, thanks, Mike, for Pleasure. doing this interview and the elaborate introduction. So I think we have <laughs> uh, gotten all the information across on Borealis and myself. So. Happy to talk to you about uh, my career, how I went into treasury, and uh, what the next steps could be in our profession. So, um, yes, actually, that's true. I started my career even before I was deciding uh, to study business economics um, with a bank apprenticeship. So I was starting as, uh, at one of the savings banks, doing my two-and-a-half-year apprenticeship, and uh, that's why I then have first, quote unquote, graduated as a trained banker. And um, I think, you know, during my career, fun enough, that has still given me a lot of uh, insight and advantages when talking to the bankers. If you have done all the groundwork at the counter, at the checks department, at the credit department, at the payments department, then you know what you're talking about. And hence, that was a my view very good preparation for the steps to come
0: and then you you made the move from there into Treasury or talk, talk us through as you started your career because you sort of grew in some smaller groups and then went into larger roles at different companies or so how, did, how did it sort of grow from there
1: yeah um, well After uh, this uh, apprenticeship, I first did then my studies at the University of Mannheim, the general business economics uh, studies, so pretty broad, uh, like a lot of us uh, probably did. Treasury at that point of time, honestly, was not really something that was on the screen, yeah. something that you heard of. Um, I think most of us can relate to, uh, you know, being at university and probably have spent a couple of years there and never really have heard the word treasury as a profession, particularly not at, uh, at that point of time uh, when I was, uh, was in, uh, in university. So when I finished then my studies, I decided and say, well, what would be a good next step? And I looked into several of the uh, bank traineeships that were offered at that point of time, and uh, then happily joined Bayerische Landesbank at that point of time, who had a very nice, very international uh, trainee program, and uh, so I started my traineeship there have been round tripped in a couple of departments it was an open traineeship that meant meant that you had didn't have a clear path in terms of you do x months, x years and then you get into a specific job it was about you know seeing what fits seeing how you could contribute to the organization where people did like you and then normally you would settle down in one of the departments in the bank Right, and um, then funny enough, and that's why I usually say, you know, treasury is um, treasury careers to a large extent. You can, on one hand, plan, you can prepare, you can do all that training, but at the end of the day, it also boils down to opportunities, seizing opportunities, being there at the right point in time, and then take a decision. Uh, Just to give you an example, you know, I was working at that point of time in the corporate credit department at Bayerische Landesbank. Right. And um, I've done a nice study, I think it was on commercial uh, aircraft on the topic of regional air- airports, right? And so I got to know uh, a lot of the guys in the higher ranks in the, in the banks. It was perceived as a, as a, as a nice, as a nice uh, exercise. And then all of a sudden, you know, one day the head of the credit department came to me and said, well, uh, would you like to join the industry and go into treasury? And I said, well, first of all, I needed to think very hard what treasury now exactly means and what that move would, um, would mean for me personally. Um, so I, I looked a bit into, into it. And uh, he said, you know, and by the way, I need your answer tomorrow. Oh, so wow. <laughs> um, because we have certain obligations there. And then I did tactically some research on a. Treasury and B, the company that I was proposed to go. Yeah. And it was all in the, in the um, overall framework of VIAC, who was at that point in time, one of the largest industrial conglomerates in Europe, 70,000 employees with a very diversified portfolio, has moved its headquarter from Bonn to Munich and they were looking for some good guys to join the Treasury Department. So hence I had to take essentially within a very short time frame the uh, decision whether I should leave the interesting and at that point of time, safe and career wise, very well programmable banking environment and to jump into corporate treasury. And that's what I did. So I did take that leap and I've got to say, uh, certainly one of the steps I have never regretted in my yeah. career
0: and then you that sort of formed your basis your foundation as it were we were, were there four years um, absolutely. It it formed
1: it formed a lot because, you know, at that point in time, together with some of the um, other big old household names, the Via Treasury was certainly one of the most professional uh, that you could find. And we had an own dealing room. We had a nice, uh, you know, like a dealer's table where you had your three four screens and the two phones as all the equipment that you would normally see in the bank environment we have been acting as an in-house bank for all the participations Uh, since it was a very diversified portfolio we had exposure to a lot of industries a lot of projects and due to the fact that, you know, those guys were not all 100% owned by us. So sometimes we had 33% here, 25% there. So we needed to compete with the banks. They came, they had a question, they wanted to deposit some money, they had a, a structural issue. And you were there as their advisor, as their in-house banker, so somebody that they could relate to, trust to. But uh, essentially, it was also clear that if they would not like what you offer to them, they would have a certain right also to seek um, services outside in the banking world. Oh wow! So, so from yeah. that perspective, yes. that was a was a, was a nice was a nice preparation. Extremely professional team. I had the pleasure to work with a, a lot of great guys there with a deep know-how and knowledge in the in the industry, and uh, that formed certainly um, one of the one of the main pillars in terms of my experience getting getting into treasury, and to have also exposure to a very wide range of treasury topics ranging from the day-to-day money market over more exotic, exotic stru- structures uh, up to uh, to preparing an IPO so that was a, a very good a very good uh, basis and school for that yeah and since i was then responsible besides others for the telecoms participations. Um, I was asked at a certain point in time, and again, coming back to my initial uh, comment around seizing opportunities, um, we got the license in Austria, the telephone license in Austria, uh, together with our joint venture partners in, in that setup and uh, then the guys asked me I said, well you have been into that industry and um, wouldn't you want to come over to austria and build up from scratch the treasury department and by the way not only the treasury department but also some other departments like the revenue assurance and some other things which were at that point of time not at all defined yet so i also again reflected around what to do I probably didn't realize at that point in time how far east geographically Vienna is. Yes. Um, so I looked, at, I looked at that and said, well, it seemed a good opportunity and a good move. So I moved over as a secondy for Viag at that point of time to Austria and uh, had then the chance to join a team of, at that point in time, I think we had been roughly 30, 35 people. Um, which did essentially everything and built up an organization like a startup from scratch. So again, here, the fundamental change from one of the largest conglomerates that you could find in Europe to a small startup where you needed to do essentially everything, right? Um, Talking to the banks, setting up accounts, you know, getting the whole thing really from zero to a workable um, environment and workable status. But that was good fun, too. And essentially, when I left then the company after a couple of years, we had 1,200 employees. We did at that point in time, I think it was the largest post-war syndicated financing in, in Austria. And a lot of quite, quite interesting deals. So it was a, a good journey. And again, one of those uh, things where I say, well, uh, take a close look at opportunities that are presented to you if they fit your personality, if they fit your know-how, uh, then take it. And yeah. sometimes also you need to, to have a bit of confidence in yourself and saying, well, that, that might be something that you haven't done yet before. But if you feel up to do that, and if you feel up to it and people trust in you, then uh, that leap of faith is certainly something which
0: is essential for progressing careers. Because you then took this role at, how do you say Identec, is that right? Yes, yeah. it was uh,
1: an, an, another step there. When I then finished with, uh, with the telecommunications business, that was pretty much at the heydays where, you know, all the licenses were sold enormous amounts for right. yeah. um, the next generation. It Again, it was a great lot. time. Yeah. Um, and I've got to say, you know, the, 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 the fun thing about that one is that still after 10 years, um, Ten years after Viac ceased to exist, we still did meet up with the with the old head office uh, group uh, that worked there, and in telecommunications the same. You know, that was a very close knit community. You have you had been building up something together, and essentially we met a long time after the company has morphed into something totally different. Right. Still as the old, uh, still as the old group, and then I thought, man, maybe a good idea to try something out new, and I went to a, again, startup company. Very interesting uh, field, RFID technology, long range RFID. Um, I went there. We had worked a lot to actually get the, the get to uh, to build up the company to make it ready for an IPO. Um, I had then uh, taken over the role as a CFO with broader responsibilities. At some point of time, then I realized, hmm, I think the package that we have been looking at with the growth opportunities will not turn out as it was intended. It will not turn out as quickly as we right. thought. Yeah. And then we came collectively in the board to the conclusion and said, "Look, guys, we're probably a bit, a bit." too high on the pay scale. We're a bit too exposed there. We just, wanna, we just wanna take another step and say, the company probably needs to work on a much, much smaller scale for a couple of years before you can then take up this idea again. Um, we need to realize at some point in time, you also can be sometimes a bit too early to market with the technology and with the setup that you have. And then um, after a year, I decided to, move out of the company and uh, joined at that point in time, then Babcock & Brown, which was uh, a bit going more into the advisory business. I yeah. uh, was then one of the uh, managing directors of the Babcock & Brown office in Austria. It was a very interesting time. Then it was back to structured financing transactions, uh, leverage lease transactions, financial advisory, more into the mergers and merchant and investment banking uh, environment, And again, that gave another spin to my know-how base and career, where you could on one hand apply a lot of the things that you have been doing in the corporate environment, but also add a lot of more elements to it in terms of structuring know-how, getting very deep into certain transactions to manage a client portfolio, um, to be responsible for a country setup. Um, that was an, another very uh, exciting step in there, and uh, I left then back and brown at the point of time when I got the call into the airline industry, and went then to Switzerland to
0: join Swiss. Right, and, and with the with the role with with Swiss, did that come with the team or what was the sort of the the makeup of the the group there?
1: Um.
0: Yes, it obviously
1: came with a team. I was responsible at that point in time for a combination which was called treasury and, uh, and risk management. Okay. So we had on one hand the classical treasury tasks, but on the other hand, I was also responsible for the whole commodity trading. So the kerosene hedging. And that was a, that was a very interesting one and also an extremely interesting time to join the Swiss. That was a situation where the new company had emerged after um, the, uh, the failure of the old Swiss entity, we created at that point in time or was created a new, newly formed entity with a headquarter technically in Basel, which was called then Swiss International Airlines. Um, So building on the foundation of what was there before, but in a certain way also having a, a, a a new setup and a new team that uh, wanted to bring the company forward in a way that you know, we bring the business back to a sustainable uh, platform after what has happened in the past to, uh, to, to Swiss, which we all know. Um, so extremely, extremely interesting environment. And due to the fact that it was a combination of the classical treasury agenda, uh, corporate finance to uh, do the aircraft uh, financings, but also the cash management, being responsible for, for all the things that you normally would would see in treasury, it was an extremely interesting task to build up the kerosene hedging portfolio again. Because at that point of time, and that's public knowledge, Swiss has sold a lot of the hedges, almost all of the hedges that they had in the kerosene uh, space right. uh, to make room and to get cash in. So when I joined the interesting fact was I needed to build up the hedging portfolio simply from scratch. Um, And we all know, particularly in a high volatile environment, building up something from you, um, you know, the likelihood of being totally right or totally wrong is probably a bit skewed. Um, So from that perspective, we had a couple of interesting months before we then got the, um, the wheel back to a normal turn and saying we have a stable portfolio, we can build on that. And that's another uh, interesting aspect in here Uh, that was only possible because we had a very very professional and understanding management and supervisory board that said, no, we acknowledge that if you do something new, if you have a paradigm shift and change in here, we need to give the room and the freedom to maneuver and have the guys build something up, have the trust in in that. And even, you know, when I saw then after the first one or two months that the portfolio was deep in the red, despite yeah. all the OPEC announcements on, the, you know, production cuts was going totally against what the normal School books would tell you uh, there was never a discussion about that one that was the right decision we did push it through and at the end of the day we ended with a with a very nice result but what i mean with that you need to have as a treasure also that environment where you are embedded in a in a culture which gives you the trust and the freedom to act to put the hedges and the risk mitigation in place that the company needs at that point in time
0: rather than say this is the way you must follow it and you you're given responsibility to be the treasurer for that you say exactly yes yeah. yeah wow so interesting time to walk in unhedged everything else and three years later you you came out of it in in, in, in well showered in glory from the sounds of it.
1: yeah well actually i would i would say the the history of how the Swiss turnaround was managed is uh, equally a little bit a schoolbook story, like it was before the failure of the old Swiss setup. Because at the point of time when we then concluded the deal with Lufthansa, um, we had been in a shape which was uh, extraordinarily good. We have done our homework in terms of the collective labor agreements. We had a, a well-functioning treasury and financing uh, organization, and hence it was a it was a good transition. Then, when we handed over a large portion of the activities to uh,
0: my colleagues at Lufthansa. Right. So, you, and that was the natural time for you to look for that next move, or what happened?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think at that point in time, um, you know, the the the, the two, two possibilities obviously would be to stay in the in the in the much bigger group now in, in the lufthansa environment but at the same time at the same point of time there came the call from the headhunters to uh, potentially join borealis and um what i found attractive at that point of time was clearly this very broad setup and the very broad requirements that Borealis has, uh, has offered. And the possibilities again, like a couple of times in my career to shape the treasury space. Um, so not to only get your piece of the work, your scope of work and work within those boundaries, but to shape the boundaries. And I think that's probably one of the most exciting factors that you can have if you have the chance in your career to do that, to really uh, push the boundaries of your own remit uh, in in terms of the what, what treasury constitutes, and to bring your own um, personal touch into uh, what you're doing. And it was exactly the uh, the
0: environment that that Borealis offered and when, um, at when that you, point. And, yep. and when you first started, because you, 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 you and I have spoken about this before, that you manage a huge team, which is quite unusual for a treasurer or having <laughs> a number of different events. You talk about all the people management. Challenge, but when you first started, was was it much smaller, or were you given quite a a big remit, team, people-wise, or when you first joined the group, twelve years ago? Yeah, it was it was much smaller and it was different. I joined at
1: that point in time as the uh, as the uh, director slash VP for tax and treasury. Um, So that was uh, the core treasury department plus the tax department. And if I look at what the scope of my area is right now, that has developed, that has morphed over the almost 12 years that I'm now with the company very significantly. That's also due to the fact that uh, we could integrate things into treasury which make a lot of sense like to take the commercial credit department like to uh, take also the accounts payable department into uh, the structure so that you have the full control over the cash in and the cash out Um, but also to set up some departments which simply didn't exist before so at some point in time after i think it was two years we farmed out the the tax department uh, which has now grown into a much bigger structure, it was a good decision to do so. I did take on a new department which I created, which was called Group Financial Risk Management. So an overarching risk management function, which didn't look solely at FX risk or liquidity risk, but in a much broader scheme. Also into the commodity risks and the interrelations between those risks, and also that one was a was an exciting exciting task to set that up. Um, this unit does not manage the risk. This ma- risk management is then either with the treasury department or the corporate finance department or our feedstock traders. But this department oversees and connects and links all the risks together so that if you have a transaction in sector A that has a ramification, for example, on the ethics side, that this is then seamlessly seen as an interrelated risk so that you avoid looking and managing in a certain silo, but to have the broader picture and a bit this top-down view, the bird's eye view on what uh, the risk constitutes in the the company. So, so Um, So over and over, this, the, the, the setup grew and we have now a um, treasury department which consists essentially of four departments, the classical treasury department, including the central payment factory and the back office. We have uh, secondly, a corporate financing, the funding department, which also is responsible for investor relations. We have what we talked about, the group financial risk management as a central risk function. And then in 2013 and 14, I did did also take then over responsibility for the credit and collection department accounts and the accounts payable department. So all in all right now, we're roughly 55, 56 people in in the department. I know that this is certainly not the normal setup. On the other hand, you know, as good as I do, there is probably no normal setup. You ask two companies and you get three different answers on how, on how the credit uh, fits into treasury or not, whether insurance is in or not, how the treasury department looks in general. So there are so many different varieties in, in our profession in terms of the setup that I would never say there is a right or wrong, but I can say that we have been able to shape the treasury space for Borealis in a way where I can clearly say this is how I would like to have it, uh, with a good view on all the risks, with a good interaction, with a great um, process view in terms of an end-to-end assessment of what needs to be done to hopefully have the best possible
0: setup for, for our group. I hope you're enjoying this week's show i just want to interrupt briefly to invite you to be part of what we know to be the best global treasury salary survey in the world they're bold words i know but it's true we're just approaching the 500 participant mark so it's a survey of real value but we still need your help all you need to do to take part is visit treasuriesalary.com takes about two minutes of your time from start to finish And as a reward for taking part, you receive a free copy of our 200 page global treasury salary survey. It's a real practical use to you. Whether you're a treasury analyst in Chicago or a global treasurer in London, we give you the numbers you need. In the simplest terms, our survey helps you as a treasury professional understand what you should be paid. We benchmark your treasury compensation in relation to your peers, both locally and globally. So when you are next asking your boss for that long overdue pay rise and you know you deserve one, well you have the practical facts you need. Just visit treasuriesalary.com and I look forward to sending you the next copy of the survey. That's enough from me, let's get back to the show. And it sounds like, again, we've talked about this, is this is meant very much from the south of it, where it's every touch point with, with cash, so where it comes into the group and then it's processed through, and, but also looking to the future cash. But, you know, in some ways, a lot of the time, you know, when I talk about typical treasuries, it's about today's cash and the future, but you're also gathering the cash as well. Is that, is that the reason for this slightly unusual setup, or what was the ethos driving that?
1: um and again it's a combination of design and opportunity uh, very clearly you know um I, I would never say that you can you know pencil everything down and say this this is my blueprint perfect treasury organization this is about you know again seizing the opportunity of a change if a change is, is is obvious and then make sure that you have your say in how to to set it up so while creating the group financial risk Department was clearly by design. The uh, the takeover of uh, the tasks in the treasury and accounts payable space was had to do with some organisational changes internally. Um, had to do with some 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 location changes and some management changes. And then at that point in time, I could say that makes a lot of sense to take over that risk. Uh, risk mitigation function in in credit why shouldn 't we look at the at the consumer credit? That was always a certain function where I was in the credit committee and uh, being responsible for for extending credit, but it was not a task that was inherently always within treasury. It was in a different part of the organization and again here. Um, having the opportunity at that point in time to integrate and in, incorporate those functions into treasury and then at the end of the day see what makes most sense that that is the uh, that is the good outcome of a combination of design
0: and, and opportunity and with that does that mean that's what you see is the success or what's been the benefit of that in terms of success features that so you've got that you you've got that all in view of risk or you know what's what's it given back to you as a group yeah well on one hand it's it's it's
1: it's clearly this holistic view of the risks so I would say right now I can have visibility and steer the risk mitigation for almost all financial risks in the group um, so that's the one that's the one part the other part is a more um, I would say processual consideration to have also the responsibility for a process end to end. And in this end to end process, then having again the possibility to determine some of the parameters, which will give you then either a positive or a negative impact in some other areas. Give you an example. Um, We had like a lot of corporates, a huge amount of payment terms in, in our system um and we said should that be really something that is determined predominantly by by the sales force and the marketing uh, department so the con the, let's say the the the, the customer related entities or departments we said no no let's 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 take that to a certain extent also under our wings so anything that is not a standard payment terms, needs to be reviewed by us and needs to be endorsed by, by myself to actually put it in into the system. This is, again, one of the parts which drives then how effectively you can run your accounts payable and accounts receivable department. So that all inter, interlinks a bit, and I'm a big believer in those holistic process optimizations to make sure that you can get the best mileage out of a certain setup and that means reviewing continuously keeping the touch to the to the market entities i appreciate very much uh, that we have that close dialogue with the sales force that is close to the customer because what is one of my my main my main beliefs we as treasurers need to go out, we need to be present, we need to be business partners, we need to be the ones that people go to and ask a question, right? It should not be the guys that sit somewhere in a, in a, in a, in a corner, yeah, do yeah. something that nobody understands, and uh, they are only asked if 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 there is a very very specific question like could you open a bank account here or are we need to do some some financing transaction here you need to be really in the heart of the organization in terms of providing the best value added with the advice and i think we have a lot of things to offer in treasury and by being at the forefront and being close to the to the market um with our linked to the sales department being close to the market with the links to the m a department this is all where where then the the fun part starts where you can at an early stage shape the, uh, the structure and make sure that you have an early embedding of treasury in those decisions where clearly treasury should take a role and should take a Uh, a stance and decision here
0: and do you see that as one of the key achievements you've brought to it or what would you see as your achievement what have you brought to the party
1: Um, I I think it's a bit this 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 overarching view not to not to not to revolve and not to optimize in a silo but to have always the, the bigger picture we starting from what is best for the company, what makes most sense, this is where you can make that step change. And um, some years ago we received this uh, award from TMI on the treasury transformation process. And I think that's probably one of the, the most exciting um, achievements that we, that we had to be able to really uh, do something which is classified and categorized as a transformation. And that means that you had some fundamental changes, you did have a view, I could install a new, a new system landscape, I could optimize some processes, I could take some departments together, as we discussed now. Um, this transformation is probably the, uh, the biggest success in terms of what I would see as bringing to the table, um, what you ask for in terms of what, what was that main, main achievement
0: here. And with yourself, what, is that? What you enjoy the most about treasury—the sort of the ability to, you know, take it from, you know, just stand still, da da da, to actually coming in and making that change fundamentally to an organisation, or what, what? what's treasury about for you, as it were? <laughs> that's
1: an excellent question yeah. because I, I I think you know the the the, uh, the the fun about treasury in my view is 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 the following D- due to the fact that there are no no real hard coded boundaries of treasury leaves a, leaves a lot more room to do those things than in other than other areas that's that's the number one so this possibility to shape to create to innovate to really drive things that's that's certainly one of the things that makes me personally tick but i think which is also in general a very exciting part of the of the treasury profession secondly um, i would also not underestimate that pretty unique possibility in treasury to combine finance know-how, a finance role with a pretty much external role like negotiating financing contracts, doing roadshows, presenting the company, um, all those things which is much more outward oriented Mm -hmm. where you have a clear interface which is beyond the normal internal interfaces. I think that's another extremely exciting exciting part of the of the treasury of the treasury trade and uh something that i think you know when i saw and we have a lot of people that have been more or less moving into treasury from other departments we have a pretty transparent structure so if you've got a good good person from another department they they can join even if they're not treasurers by trade but we'll learn it in in getting there and the feedback we get is that most people enjoy that tremendously to have that a dual role in terms of having the internal interfaces but also to be clearly very much exposed to the outside world and being at the forefront front of uh, of uh, of an interaction with external parties being banks being investors or what have you that that is i think another another very interesting part and the last one which i see is now looking a bit into what makes potentially the future treasury tick is about that. I always thought that in treasury we are very, uh, we have a high affinity to to technology. Um, Things that are now in discussion around digitalization, robotics, platforms, use of systems, in, in treasury you you usually have that at a very early stage before others even think or talk about it we had fully integrated systems we had trading platforms we had electronic confirmation systems so that affinity to technology and that closeness to the digital development that's that's or be the the third part that I would see, which is extremely exciting in in the the treasury profession, and which also provides, in my view, an excellent basis for the future growth in treasury and for the future development of the treasurers uh, in the next
0: 20 years to come. And when you talk there, you talked about bringing in internal talent. I know that uh, we selfishly have recently recruited for you guys, so I think we essentially know what you're looking for, or believe we know what you're looking for when you recruit. But when you're receiving a CV or resumes, obviously you're a recruitment company. What what are you looking for from those people coming mm-hmm. in? Again, I've talked to some of my previous guests, and they've talked about qualifications. One talked about attitude, ethos, and but also what we're trying to do is hone in on what makes a standout candidate. What, what are the things that you perhaps look for yourself? Um,
1: I think you can't answer that question without differentiating a bit for which role I am recruiting. Right. Yep. Uh, there are some roles which are clearly driven more by qualification, past experience. Uh, so the, let's say the, the hard-coded know-how And the track record of the person right in some other areas we have for example some positions which we internally label also as development positions where we have a also an internal succession planning by the way we have succession planning for all the roles but for some of the roles it's clearly indicated that should be under normal circumstances an external person at yes. that point of time um, because it's it is really related to this this know how and the certification potentially that that you you're looking for on the other hand in those development roles we are pretty open if I look at the candidate and you know he or she has the right profile the right spirit the right attitude honestly i don't care whether whether he or she has done uh, this for the last twenty years uh, he or she needs to convince me on a more personal basis. The, the, the guys with the right drive, if they have the possibility to learn, and for those development roles we give that opportunity to to learn, then we should also give them um, the the chance to 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 grow and to to prove themselves. Again, you know, if I look at my career and what I talked about taking chances and you know getting getting those opportunities you know in 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 a couple of instances, you know I said, well, kudos to the guys that said no, it's a young guy, but he he can he can he can run that department he can he can do it right and give that give that advanced credit to uh for people to also develop so long story short, I think for certain positions, more the qualification, the track record, what have they done before? It's always combined with personality. Let's yeah. be clear about that one. There is no no good good person without also a good fitting team spirit that fits also to the values of the company and to my belief how people in treasury should be. Um, but on the other hand, also to give that opportunity to grow and to come from totally different areas. So when I look at my my former head of the group funding and investor relations department who has now recently been promoted nicely into a good role with our joint venture partner in, in Abu Dhabi. He has been a chemist of trade. He has been in group strategy. He has yeah. a chemist background and he was an excellent man in the job. Right. So from that perspective, again, um, <sighs> I I don't like those drawer answers where you say you need to have one, two, three, and four, and then you're going to be the best treasurer in the world. I think it needs to be a combination that fits. And last comment here, uh, you need to watch out for the cultural fit. Not not two companies are the same, not two treasuries are the same, and where you probably need in one – company a very introverted treasurer that is concentrating on certain things in other companies you probably need a very extrovert person who can sell the company at roadshows and to investors so that that's why I would say, you know that much better than, than I do. Um, from a recruitment perspective, there's a huge universe and uh, we're always trying to hopefully find the best mix and
0: match of qualification and what the role demands. And personality fit, yeah. And and looking from here and now to the future, for, for number one for you, and also for the Borealis Group and Treasury as it goes, where do you see it? This isn't you know, the the typical question about automation and all that monarchy. It's more about how do you see the evolution of Borealis and the evolution of Jan Martin as you continue your career? Yeah, and that's uh, thanks for abstracting that a bit from the from
1: the classical digitalization yeah. automization because I, yeah. I think that's that, that's on the on the forefront of, of, of everybody. Yeah. What I think um, will be the the driving factor for me and also for my department again is to to be the business partner for the internal departments. We have a huge Growth agenda and a huge project agenda, and we need to make sure that we can provide best services for the business. And if I if I say services, I mean services. Right. It's not like you know doing an action that is required. It's delivering a service. And if I go back to what I told you earlier, from the first steps in my career, when we had been at Viag, this in-house bank, the in-house advisor. This is this is the role you should play. You need to connect. You need to further get, get more interlinked into, into the businesses. I always say, you know, you have reached your goal if you came from that push attitude. So I have something to offer. You need to ask me if you want to do something with currencies or interest rates to that pull mentality where people yeah. say, hey, did, did we ask Treasury already about that one? Uh, shouldn't we get them involved at in an early stage? Right. And no, they usually yeah. have quite they usually have quite good, good thoughts. So let, let let's get them involved. So to that pool mentality, I think that's that's one of the key one of the key areas to to play that business partner partner role. And again, I think the the beauty, and that's why usually Treasury doesn't doesn't get boring is that element of change you have a constant flow of change and you know i would i would say even if it's a if it's a generalization but the markets are moving faster and faster you have a very high velocity that you need to have in your actions you need to be prepared um i always say to my team you know you you can be the best Risk manager, you can have the best risk set up. Something will take you by surprise. You need to have everything in place for the unforeseen. So, that element of agility, that element of velocity, that's a very important one, which again is for me also something that I Work on personally, right. but also from a from a team development to get on the forefront of those of those transactions and further embed treasury into the into the wider organization and then let 's see what we can do in further you know integrate um, processes and optimize there, uh, but in essence, uh, I think this is a bit what I would see in the next coming years to be uh, one of the um, good opportunities and challenges in in the treasury space.
0: And if you're as if you're not busy enough with doing all that stuff at Borealis and everything else, I know that yeah, Martin, you've well, I know firsthand that you've recently, outside of your role, your role at Borealis, you've started the Aust- uh, Austrian Treasurers Association, and you've got a drive for that. You know, maybe you can just explain just to, briefly to the listeners. Uh, cause I'm going to be speaking at that conference in November. Looking forward to, it. uh, why, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. looking forward to having you with us then. Well, uh, yeah. uh, I, I won't see you twisting my arm, but it was either that or he broke my arm. So I had to go, uh, <laughs> but no, I'm looking forward to it. But, uh, you know, what, what drove that? Why, why bother? You know, you've got enough on your plate already.
1: No, uh, I think a couple, a couple of elements. First of all, you know, um, I think we all need to contribute actively, personally to, um, to our profession, to do something in terms of the development of, of people, to also make sure that we can, can be heard in the market, that we have a relevant um, setup that allows us to, to speak up. When and in essence Sorry, um, When do you say heard? Heard by who? You, for for
0: example, by, by the
1: regulators, right. by, the, uh, by the authorities. You know One of the reasons why I thought we need now to, to make that step is, is linked to, we had always a good informal network. Right. And the treasury community, we all know, is a, is a close-knit community. You've got a couple of hundred people in the European space and fewer than in the different countries. So you, you know most of the guys. Um, and this informal network worked quite well yeah but it was nothing that was really organized so sometimes you had a lot of people joining sometimes only a couple if you had a question you might have the right person to ask um, sometimes you didn't or you didn't even know that another company did something similar you're currently looking at and you did the work quote unquote twice right um so this informal network was not an, was was not enough for me and i was um, think i'm since mid of the 90s the early days of the german association i'm a member there and i saw how a how a good setup can develop over time and i always thought it's a a bit of pity that we don't have anything in 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 austria we are we are not an organization we didn't have an organization that that could voice concerns or that could endorse something that for example the eact was putting out or that could Make comments to um, proposed regulations. So, from that perspective, I thought there is a certain need uh, to do that. Secondly, I'm I'm a big believer in in exchanging um, information, in exchanging experiences, and that you can best do in a professional network. And um, hence, I thought, well, let's 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 just do that now. Sure. Let's invest the work. At some point in time, this is going to be a self running um organization we have in the meantime a great um board of directors together that uh, that uh, works with me on the on the development of the association we've got great people in in our supervisory board we've got all the the household names in in the country that are already members and i would say you know after if we have now after it's now nine months since we since we opened for the applications. We have already a, a more than hundred corporate um, treasurers uh, here in in the organisation. That's quite that's a quite encouraging sign. So we're going to continue, and um, it's it's refreshing to see that we now can participate in European initiatives like the cybercrime initiative from the EACT or other. You know, this—the times are over where you could sit in your own little treasury department uh, at the at the at the last corner of the of the aisle in the building. You need to go out. You need to exchange. A lot of the challenges we face are not national challenges. Are not challenges that one company has. They are global challenges. Talked about the the, the cybercrime. You cannot do that alone. We need yeah. to do that on a, on a broad basis. This has nothing to do with competition. This is, um, you know, embedded in, in what we should do, risk mitigation in, uh, in the treasury space. And this exchange is, uh, is probably one of the most important things for us to grow the profession, grow our network, be in touch with, uh, with other industries. Yeah. And by virtue of that, take the next step in your own development and in the development of of your organization
0: it sounds like you're giving the Austrian treasurers which they they need their own voice you know as you say with regulators but also wider than that that an input to all the other associations as well yeah we have and we have a, you know we have a lot of great people
1: there that after we has has established have established this platform to take the chance to you know participate in work groups and work on a certain subject together right. um so i probably it was it probably it was just the speaking in chemical terms the catalyst for what's now going to come um that you know you have now established the organizational platform and a lot of the things come now um, in terms of uh, in terms of self initiatives, and that's very rewarding to see that uh, this goes very fast in 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 the right direction. You can now interact much closer with uh, the fellow colleagues in other countries, and um, this is this is a good this is a good uh, a good sign. And hence, yes, it's a lot of work, but uh, I think. It is absolutely
0: worth well. worthwhile doing that. That's no, fantastic. Well, I look forward to uh, November and speaking at your conference, which will be great fun. Uh, anything else for our listeners that you think, you know, if they're obviously we've talked about why people get into treasury and everything else, I, I think it was a, you know, great conversation. And, uh, you know, obviously you're on LinkedIn. Is that the best way for people to connect with you or through the association or what's the sort of, what's the best way to do it? I think both both works LinkedIn is a, is a good tool.
1: Um, via the association always works, and usually then also my my whereabouts are, are known in the web, <laughs> so you can, can contact me if if any questions. but okay, uh, Mike, th- thanks a lot. I, I think it was a, was, a, was good having that chat um, and you know to round it up a bit, uh, since you asked me la- final last words. can you say yeah. that? Yeah, <laughs> final yeah. last words in yeah. there is it saying um, Essentially, you know, if, you're, if, if you're listening to what we have been talking about, you're probably already on the right path because you're interested in Treasury. Yeah. Um, I truly believe that uh, the taking that leap from a totally other area into Treasury was one of the best decisions that I ever did in my career. Um, it's an exciting, it's an exciting uh, profession. And uh, the good thing is, again, you have the possibility to shape The future with what you're doing and uh, hence i hope that we can give with that podcast a lot of the treasurers in spay or the ones that want to further grow in our profession Um, probably some some thoughts to uh,
0: to move uh, treasury as a whole uh, forward and in the right direction and that's a yeah, perfect end because that's exactly what we're trying to do with the podcast It's not the big sales pitch. It's basically representing you guys and give you a voice to explain to people, you know, exactly why Treasury is, is everything it is. So, uh, no, thank you very much. Yamato, and, uh, what a great sign off. We'll, we'll use your words to finish it off as well. That's great. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. Thank you.